I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Way to Go and Where to Grow. Uh, today we're talking a little bit about our favorite books uh, about autism. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I um, I was actually really thrilled with how many own voices books there are. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually uh, got to la- last week in our episode about autism, got to speak to uh, Jen Malia, who is the author of one of the books I'm going to be talking about, um, which was really nice. And I actually spoke to another uh, author, Rose Robbins, who also wrote an um, in own voices, uh, two own voices books. Um, and uh, so I was really happy to see that a lot of people are doing own voices work in this, uh, for this topic, which is great. Yay, own voices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. It's always like, you know, I always say this, but I feel like it's always hit or miss with some topics or like some topics, it'll be so easy to find books and other topics. I'm like, oh, there's no books. But this topic, I felt like there was a decent, you know, and I, you had to kind of pick out the good ones, but I felt like there were a decent amount of good books for this one. Right. I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people have tackled mm-hmm. um, and it is, there is a lot of variation in how kind of like the messaging, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think definitely. there's so much variation within the autism community or yeah, within people who are autism adjacent um, mm-hmm. that that can be reflected in, in kind of the, the stance that the literature takes as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely a lot of like, for example, like parents who have kids with autism, siblings, um, you know, of of autistic folks, um, and uh, that have written books. And I I think that definitely those perspectives are valuable. But of course, like I always want to center own voices work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I but I also think that those those perspectives are definitely are definitely valuable as well. I just uh, you know think that. I always want to go to the own voices books first. Uh, but of course, like, right, if you, I think they, those perspectives also might be helpful if you're someone in that same position, if you are the sibling, if you are the parent, right? Um, I think that it could be helpful to also, uh, you know, have that kind of perspective. Right. If that is the, if that's the own voices, right? It's someone who yes. has a firsthand experience of being the sibling mm-hmm. or being the parent. And it's about that as that opposed to... Yes, as opposed to writing from the perspective of the autistic person. Right, right. Because yeah, they, um, yeah. and we, one of our shifts. It is own voices in that way. Exactly. Right? Writing exactly. from their own perspective. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what were you about to say? Well, I was just going to say that the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, which is the kind of my go-to, one of my go-to resources about um, autism, um, of course, uh, one of their mantras is nothing about us without us. Mm-hmm. No, it's not going to tell me. Okay, that's fine. I'll just say, I don't know, which is a valid answer. Um, <laughs> so anyway, jumping into the book that I don't know if it's own voices. Um, uh, this book is called All My Stripes, a story for children with autism. Uh, and it's by Danielle Royer and Shana Rudolph. And uh, it's illustrated by Jennifer Sidium and Daniel Royer. Uh, and it's from one of my uh, shout out publishers that I talk about a lot, which is Imagination Press. Mm-hmm. Um, who does a lot of great work and uh, basically it's so this is one of the books where it actually doesn't bother me that there are animals so there's zebras in this book everyone's a zebra Um, and so it's about this zebra named Zane who's autistic and he's basically he's sort of like comes home from school and he's recounting this day to his mom of sort of like you know just like this not so good day that he had where he felt like Uh, these different ways that his autism made him feel different so like for example they did like like finger painting they did hoof painting in art class um and like he didn't want to get his hoofs you know dirty because he doesn't he doesn't like the feeling of the paint so his teacher gave him a paintbrush instead but like so what I this is jumping to my way to goes but one of the things I love about this book is that the teachers and parents are really supportive and like making accommodations which is great Mm -hmm. um it's like the kids who are still you know so like fine the teacher's like that's fine use a paintbrush um but then the kids are still like oh why are you using a paintbrush whatever and they're kind of like picking on him a little bit and then uh you know another example is um i'm trying to think oh like his classmates are talking about a video game that he really likes but he like doesn't know how to kind of like enter the conversation so he just kind of like looks down and is talking to himself so they don't really you know because he's not making eye contact or like engaging with them they don't know that he's talking to them 
Um, and so like, it's just like a couple, a bunch of these different things that sort of, you know, sh- showcase, Ooh, I hit my mic, uh, that sort of showcase some of the, you know, typical kind of traits of some, someone who might have autism, obviously it's very individual, but, um, uh, you know, sort of showcasing these things and he's sort of talking about his day. And, and so where this, this sort of goes after he's talking about all this stuff is he's saying, you know, why, why does everyone only see my autism stripe? Right. And he has this sort of like, they, they all have these kind of like stylized zebra stripes. So everyone's stripes are kind of different shapes. Like moms are like very swirly and his are very like kind of square and angular. Um, and he has a stripe right on his forehead that's like kind of red and that's like quote unquote like his autism stripe, right? Hmm. And he's like, why does everyone only see my autism stripe? And so mom's like, you know what? When I see you, like I see all your other stripes. Like I see your caring stripe. And she talks about like how he's really caring and I see your honesty stripe and I see your curiosity stripe and right. And like all these stripes make you who you are. Um, and so sort of the, the kind of, uh, moral is, you know, like, Hey, like all these things, like my autism is just like another part of who I am. Um, and so, yeah, it's really sweet. I really like it. Um, like I said, one of my way to goes is I love that the teacher and grownups like are all really supportive. Like there's another instance in where, uh, he's in science class and, you know, they, the, the, uh, where was I going with this? The project. There we go. I, I'm a teacher and I can't think of what's <laughs> um, The project is that they have to make, uh, they have to draw a planet, like a real planet, and he wants to make his own planet. And so the teacher's like, you know, sure, whatever, that's fine. Um, the thing that ends up, you know, so again, it's just like, that's not, it's not, it's more that like his peers are making him feel a bit different or like he's feeling a bit out of place with his peers and not even like, there's only really one instance. I wouldn't even call it bullying. It's just the kids are sort of like, why won't you paint? Like they didn't, it was more like they didn't understand why. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel different. Um, as opposed to like, they were like, yeah, you can't paint with the, whatever, you know what I mean? They weren't mm-hmm. like bullying, which I appreciate. Um, but I really like that everybody is like very supportive. Uh, the adults are very supportive and that's not, what this book is about right um i and again like i really like that the moral is sort of like autism is just like a part of who you are um just like you know all these other attributes um and like i said i actually really i think it really works that they're zebras because we're talking about the stripes and it's like a really striking visual um and uh the illustrations are really well done and i i just you know i think it sort of like makes sense for this for this book um, right. And it's also a cool metaphor, um, like kind of a primer on like intersectionality, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, totally. Okay to think about one thing being, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. The, the only thing that I, my sort of room to grow for this book was the only thing I kind of like rubbed me a little bit the wrong way was there was a, uh, at the end, it was like, oh, he thought about all these things that he loved himself again. And I was like, what? It's like, <laughs> That seems weird. I don't know. I didn't like yeah. the idea. That, like, that on the table, he didn't love himself? Yeah, like he didn't love himself because of this. And also like mom said a couple of things and he's like, oh, I'm great. I love myself now. I'm like, I don't think that's how self-love works. <laughs> like, but so that was like a small thing that I was just kind of like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I don't think that it negates, the, you know, generally the the book. I think it was still sorely good. And I, I really liked it. Um I think that was actually one of the one of the first ones that I, I I saw, and I just was like, oh, this is a very a very cute book. Um, and I I think like you were talking about, I also like sort of where it speaks to sort of intersectionality and just like these different pieces of who we are. Um, yeah, so it's a good book. All my stripes. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is called Too Sticky, and this is a pretty new one. Uh, it's called Too Sticky Sensory Issues with Autism, and that's the one by Jen uh, Malia, um, uh, who I spoke with last week, who is a lovely human. Um, and uh, and that is illustrated by Joanne Lou Veritoff and published by Albert Whitman & Co. Um, and this book is actually really special because... Um, I mean, not only is it own, own voices and that generally has, uh, is autistic, um, but also this is one of the few books that features a girl with autism, um, because, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, just autism is kind of seen as like a boy's thing, which is like a whole weird, it's like a whole weird thing that happens where girls are often underdiagnosed, um, just statistically uh and so i really liked this uh that there was a girl with autism featured in this book 
Right. Which makes sense because it was written by a woman with autism. <laughs> but she like she wasn't diagnosed until late in life because of all these kinds of things. And and also uh, we were having actually it's funny when we were having the discussion about uh, autism, it was two two women with autism who I was talking to. And then and then when I was having the discussion about ADHD the, the following week, um, one of those folks also uh, is autistic and we were talking and ha- and was socialized female. Um, and so they, we were talking about this idea of like, like how girls and women tend to be really good at masking their autism. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you know, sort of like, uh, just picking up on those cues and ways to like, sort of like fit fit in and not really. So people aren't picking up on it a lot because, and I think it has a lot to do with like how women are socialized. Um, you know, uh, but anyway, um, so I, I really thought that that was, I was excited to see a book where a girl was featured. Um, and anyway, so we'll dive into it. So basically it's about, uh, this little autistic girl named Holly and she, she's in the second grade and she's worried because her school, um, her, her school is doing, her class is doing a science project where they're making slime and she really doesn't like sticky things. Like it starts out, the book starts out with her family eating pancakes and like she's cleaning her hands cause she doesn't like the way the stickiness, like the sticky syrup feels on her hands and, um, and so that's sort of how they enter into the conversation about her worrying about this, uh, this slime project they're doing in class. And, uh, and so, you know, she, her, her mom sort of takes her to school and uh, talks to her teacher and they sort of, you know, uh, arrange an accommodation where she's going to have a bowl of water and soap on her desk. So she doesn't like the way it feels. She can wash her hands immediately. Um, and so it's, it's funny, like all day, she's kind of like, dreading this slime like she's seeing slime on the books and she's seeing slime on the jungle gym and she's seeing you know the green jello at lunch looks like slime and um and throughout the book there's different you know there are different moments where it's showing different things uh right like like for example a kid in her class says hi to her so i'll just read this hi holly he said louder holly turned toward nick but she didn't look at his eyes they made her uncomfortable holly answered hi like mom taught her um so like it's also showing there's a lot of these moments where it's like how mom taught her how dad taught her um or like mom nudges her and she remembers to say something where it's like the idea of like the social cues Mm -hmm. of like they're they're you know, they're not something that like she's great at and she's getting guidance from other people. Um, and the, there's like at one point she's using a stress ball. So there's sort of like, in addition to the main story being about her sensory issues, there are sort of other, um, you know, other things or like, this is also a sensory thing, but like in the beginning of the book, they're eating breakfast and and the sibling, her sister uh, drops a fork and it's loud and it bothers her. So it's like showing all these other different things as well, mm-hmm. having to do with her autism, which I really like without it being like, this is a thing and that's a thing and you know right um but uh it's just sort of not telling yeah incidentally in the story exactly and so and so she ends up you know she's kind of like tentatively you know mixing the ingredients together for the slime and you know she she gets to the point where she has it on a popsicle stick and she's like okay like i'm okay with it being on the popsicle stick but i don't want to touch it and then she kind of sees her her classmates like playing with it and she notices that it's not really sticking to their hands um and you know the the teacher you know is like you know as a scientist like don't you think you should maybe test your experiment and like you can always wash your hands off um and she ends up you know playing with it and actually liking it because and it even explains this in the book because of the borax in the slime um it doesn't stick to you uh, it kind of like sticks to itself mm-hmm. um and so she ends up kind of you know not minding the texture of it um and uh, and then like her at, at breakfast, her sister was kind of saying that she loved the slime experiment uh, when she was in the second grade. And so Holly comes home and shares her slime with her sister and they play with it. Um, and it's just like a very sweet book. And um, I, I really like again, like I was saying, I love that it shows a girl with autism. I love that it shows, you know, the sensory issues and the different the different kind of accommodations and things. Again, I love that we have a teacher and adults like advocating for kids and just making accommodations that it's not a big deal. The kids in her class aren't like, that's weird. Like, you know, they're just like, oh, why don't you want to touch your slime? And she's like, because I don't like sticky things. And they're like, oh, OK, like, <laughs> no one's like that's weird <laughs> um similarly to kind of the other book where it was more about like oh i'm noticing that there's a difference but i'm not like making fun of you for it you know and even like uh when the kid uh off that page that i read when her you know first before that like he says hi to her and she didn't hear she didn't hear him because like the classmate you know there was too much noise going on in the room so he said hi again a little louder 
right? Like, you know, and, uh, and so I feel like people are making, I like seeing like people making accommodations and things and without it being like a story, again, a story about bullying. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's not a story about that. Um, and I, like I was saying before, I like that it kind of showed like by saying like, like mom taught her, like dad taught her, it was kind of showing that she learned those kind of social cues and that they weren't natural for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, was just a really nice incidental way to put that in the story. Um, and uh, so this book and the next book I'm going to talk about, um, I have the same room to grow, which is that while there is inclusion, like uh, racial inc- uh, diversity in like the teacher is a, a black woman. Um, also, I don't know why I love that she has short hair. I'm just like, yeah, if you're a science teacher, you're not getting that long hair all up in that goop, like cut that <laughs> hair off. Um, <laughs> but uh uh so you know and there are like children of color in the class and in the next book I'm going to talk about there also um is it's like about two kids playing and one of the the friend is uh, a little black boy and while I love that there's inclusion I would love to see a main character uh who you know with autism who is a person of color I didn't find a lot of books uh like that and so I don't know if maybe you'll have some to share but um I will not mine have a similar room to grow for sure yes um, so that was something that I found, I mean, just like the issue with there not being a lot of books about girls, I found the same issue, uh, you know, with there not being a lot of books about people, people of color who are autistic, as opposed to, you know, like I was saying, like there's inclusion within the book, within friends and teachers and, you know, the different people in the book, but it always seems to be centering around white kids and white families, um, which I was kind of like, huh. Uh, so yeah, that for me is a little bit of a room to grow. So um, I guess I'll just jump into the next book since I'm already talking about it, <laughs> um, which is uh, another Own Voices book, and it's called Can I Play Too? And this is actually from a series called the Little Senses series uh, that are all by Samantha Cotterell, um, who is uh, also a woman with autism. Um, and uh, they, so they sort of deal with different sensory issues. Um, and this one uh so she she is the author and illustrator um and it's uh blah 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 where are my words it's published by dial books for young readers uh which is i believe an imprint of penguin random house let me see my notes here yes it is an imprint of penguin random house everything's an imprint of penguin random house it feels like everything is an imprint of penguin random house um (laughs) doing this work uh but anyway so basically this is like a little bit of a simpler story for younger kids and basically it's about this little autistic boy who's playing trains with a friend and he they sort of show through a speech bubble like or a thought bubble rather that he has like a very specific idea of how he wants his train track set up. So, you know, he's like, Oh, do you want to play trains? And they're like, yeah, but he has this very specific idea of like exactly how he wants the train set up. So, you know, the friend gets really frustrated because like it keeps happening where he's like, no, that goes there. You put that there. Um, What's probably coming off to the friend is him being bossy. Um, But in his mind, it's just like, well, no, I just have this very clear idea of how this is probably how I am when I play games Uh, as a kid. I feel, I feel like there's also a level of that, like, I feel like when kids are about like three, four, that's just also like a way that kids play is they get very bossy. Like whenever, whenever I play with my niece, um, not to, you know, compare this to autism, obviously, but whenever I play with my niece, she's I'm like, I don't even understand why I'm playing with you because you're telling me where to put the doll and what the doll's saying. And like, well, I'm like, why don't you just play by yourself, Clemence? Right. Uh, and I think but, that, that feels like a, like a, you know, transitioning from parallel play to like cooperative play. Like that seems like, wait a minute, I'm not really ready to integrate your ideas yet, but I do (laughs) with your body because it's helpful in establishing the setting of my, my story. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so it's sort of like they have this very specific idea. And so they get a friend is kind of getting frustrated and, um, and there's, you know, there's a, and he's clearly not picking up on the social cues that the friend is frustrated um, the body, you know, like he's crossing his arms and, you know, you know, furrowing his brow and there's some body language that he's clearly not picking up on. And then he's just like, like the friend is, you know, sitting there being unhappy and he's like, oh, I love trains so much. Like, did you know some trains can travel a hundred miles per hour through tunnel? And like, he's just like rattling off train facts and the friend is like not having it, you know? Um, and then finally, you know, it sort of gets to the point where they're fighting over a piece and then they kind of 
you know, they're like playing tug of war with this piece and then they end up breaking the whole train track and, uh, you know, and, and, and the friend is upset and the kid is kind of like con- confused because he doesn't really understand what happened. Um, and so then mom comes in, who, who I'm presuming to be mom and not just some strange lady in the house, um, <laughs> comes in and it's like, you know, hey, you know, has a book about trains, uh, which clearly this, this kid really likes trains. And so has a book about trains and is like, hey, did you know that trains depend on traffic lights to, to run smoothly? And like, that can be helpful, you know, for friends too. And so um, she sort of has these little cards with, the, it's like, one is a, I forget what you call this. You know what I'm talking about? Where like like green light, like where you do like a stop sign, like a stoplight. There's a word for these, where like with how you're feeling. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't think of the word for these, but anyway, so it's like right there's there's three little trains, and one is green, and it's like I'm happy. Say this is fun. You know, there's uh, a yellow one, and it says I'm sad, confused, or bored. Pause. Say are you okay? There's a red one that says I'm mad. Stop. Say what's wrong. So like so it shows the faces, and the trains have faces. So like. So it's showing the kid like, okay, like when the face looks like this, that probably means the person is feeling this way. What can I say? Right. Um, And so, and so then they go back and they try again with these sort of, uh, with these little aids and they're able to, you know, sort of help read the social cues and ask like what's wrong or, you know, you know, uh, those kinds of things. And they're able to, to play together successfully. Um, And so what I, I really, uh like about this series in general is like just that it's talking about different sensory issues which i think is helpful but also just like in the other book like it's also incorporating other things about autism like you know having a fixation on like one specific thing like this kid really likes trains right he knows a lot about trains um and right and like when mom is coming to him to help him she comes and speaks his language of trains um which i which i appreciate right and uh you know i I like that it, uh, you know, it shows like a different, well, this one particular like kind of coping mechanism um, that can be helpful. Uh, and I think it's, it's a nice way to introduce this to younger readers. Like I even read this book um, with my kids when we're talking about transportation, because like it's about trains, right. Um, right? So like, it doesn't have to be like, this is the autism theme. You know what I mean? Like when we're talking about when I do my transportation theme with the kids, I bring this book in. Um, and so I think it's a, a kind of a really easy way to just sort of like, you know, um, talk about talk about that and, and teach kids about about uh, that. Um, yeah, and I uh, I just think it's a cute book. I think it's kind of a nicer one for for younger readers. And the only kind of uh, <laughs> for my room to grow, I literally have ditto marks um, from the one above, which is that you know again I wish that it wasn't centered on a white kid, a white family. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess whoever whoever's listening to this, make that book because I would love, I would love, and I think that's probably coming partially from right the people who are creating the books. I know all of the authors that I've spoken about uh with the exception of i'm not sure about the the first book all my stripes um are white folks um and so and i don't know about the illustrators um but i know that that can you you know like you don't uh there can definitely be like i I know i was i'm thinking of my my friend uh kyle lukoff uh who wrote when aiden became a brother Mm -hmm. um you know was like I didn't know how to feel because I basically he like he wrote this book as a white person and then it was given to the publisher and the publisher assigned a person of color as the illustrator and you know the illustrator illustrated Aiden's family as being biracial Filipino and black um and uh beautiful illustrations yeah oh my gosh gorgeous book get that book it's a great book um and Kyle was like you know I felt like I didn't really know how to feel about that because I didn't really have a say in it but like it was own voices in the sense that like she was writing from her like that's her family makeup and so like she was illustrating from her based on her family makeup and so like I think there are ways that as a white author you can still you know what I mean as long as it's not like about the but like I would also love to see own voices books I'm there are definitely people of color with autism <laughs> they exist. And I think um, I will say that I believe that there are many um, uh, self-published books. Oh, I'm sure. That are, that are both own voices and also coming from the perspective of um, like family members, like we talked about, like parents mm-hmm. writing about like capturing their experience being a parent mm-hmm. of an autistic child. 
Um, like I'm even looking in some of my Facebook groups right now and I'm seeing, yes, we are twins, but we are different written by Tyrell Smith. And I'm seeing mm. Jay just wants to play written by Jamila Tucker Mulero. And I'm seeing, um, Hi, Hin's Hands, a story about autism written by Um Juareira, but what? But I, I can't um, speak to any of these because I haven't gotten my hands on them, but maybe we do yeah. need to revisit this topic um, mm. uh, and dive into kind of um, some of the self-published literature um, yeah. in a future episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I think sometimes it's so... the publishing is just like a whole nother episode um oh, right. like the gatekeeping around it like the is gatekeeping and it's just you know it's so it's so hard and and that and that's where you get into that like the tricky waters of like uh, you know where somebody who is coming from a place of privilege will be like well I want to like if I have if I already have my foot in the door like shouldn't I be writing about you know other experiences so that that that's out there if I'm or you know what I mean and then it just gets like it's like a whole jumbliness um but really what we should be doing is breaking down the walls of the gatekeeping and publishing so that people can just be writing their own stories exactly yeah yeah because I think a lot of well-intentioned folks who are coming from a place of privilege um you know it's just like like on the one hand right you don't want to just be writing about all white people because you're white but like I don't know it's just it's just tricky right well and the reason we need to break down some of I mean, the reason that the gates need to be broken down mm-hmm. is that there is there are so many people with so many amazing stories that are not yeah. getting the same opportunities to tell no. them and to have them go through the editing process and get paired yeah. with a fantastic illustrator right like putting the onus on folks to kind of do, take this self-publishing route which i know has really blossomed right like yeah. self-publishing mm-hmm. become like more easy to do with many more options um but then they they some (laughs) there's the intersection of needing needing to get needing to give not give that's even the wrong word tearing down the gates so that the opportunities are available to more people to have their stories told in kind of a professional like a like a like a uh like through traditional publishing avenues, right? Mm -hmm. So changing those traditional publishing avenues so that more voices are being captured. But, and um, there's also such a thing that everyone thinks that they have, that they have a children's story to tell. Yeah, we've talked about this And there is like that, that also is like kind of uh, presumptuous, right? To think that anyone can do this and not kind of recognize the skill that it takes to tell a story well. This is in a different direction, but I feel the same way about homeschooling. I'm just like, it's wild to think that like parents who homeschool are expected to be like educator. I'm like, I went to school for four years to learn how to educate and like putting that pressure on yourself is like, I don't know. I'm thinking about this because, um, because the, the family that I know you for was like hypothetically talking about it. And I was just like, I love you you know the to, to the parent but I'm like you have no patience you're like there is no way you can teach these kids all day like I love you to death but this house would be on fire like it's not happening I'm like if you do that please hire someone and I'll do it I'll do it for you but like, you know and, and so I think it's, it's it's interesting when it comes to those kinds of things where it's like I don't know where it's like meanwhile it's like someone's profession but we're just like oh I could do that well, exactly. And because, but because it's a profession that let's face it is like dominated traditionally yep. by, um, like women and like traditionally marginalized people, then it's like not even considered a true profession. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And no, so that is, and so there's that juxta- there's that, again, that intersection where like anyone thinks, Oh, I could, I could teach my kids. And it's like, yeah, there are some lousy teachers out there, but <laughs> that's part of the problem, right? Like the lack of professionalization of the field yeah. or the lack of, mm-hmm. you know, the lack of compensation to retain. Yeah, yeah this is a whole other episode, teachers. Right. <laughs> well, so, that's what I like. Uh, I was thinking, of, I was thinking about this too recently because somebody, um, there was a situation where uh, during the book drive, somebody came to me and said that they, you know, they, they had received an adult who was an educator and that they were uncomfortable, you know, they expected to be giving a book directly to a kid. And I had to sort of talk to this person and be like, okay, but like, 
educators. First of all, like they were allowed, like if you read the thing, it says that any, you know, educators and, you know, folks who work with kids are totally allowed because guess what? They're usually paying out of pocket. They don't get funding. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about like me as a nanny. Are you kidding me? I, I pay like, I spend like a hundred dollars at the dollar store, like every week on shit for these kids. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is like, I won't talk about that compared to the percentage of what I'm making. And that has, is not, has nothing to be said for my employers who pay me very well for this, this market. But like, you know what I mean? Like educators who love what they're doing are spending so much money on like, you know what I mean? On their classrooms, on their kids. Um, And it's just like, I feel like it's not even just like the, you know, everyday person like doesn't, doesn't realize that right um, the system but, is set up to uh, um to make it just more challenging for the folks yeah. who are excellent at this yes. work right and for both educators it. it's and so hard to care about your work yeah 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 In that kind of field but anyway <laughs> that's after that fun tangent um uh i would love to hear about your book oh okay <laughs> <laughs> uh so like i said i do i do want to challenge myself to go back to um to my research and make, cause what I've done today is I've, I'm just, I, I want to share the books that we, we vetted very carefully. And I feel really, mm-hmm. really passionately about that we include in our shift book box on this topic. Um, but I do mm-hmm. want to challenge myself now um, to revisit some of the other literature that's out there. Um, yeah. uh, you know, both in the traditional publishing route and the self-publishing route to just make sure that um, future shift book boxes are capturing um, uh the best that we can that we can capture which is always my goal in that project but today the two or the first book that I want to share is called Armand Goes to a Party a book about Asperger's and friendship Um, and this book was written um, it is written by Nancy Carlson it's co-written by Nancy Carlson and um, Armand Isaac and um, illustrated by Nancy Carlson I'm curious oh go ahead and it was written in 2014. Okay. That's what I was curious about because I know we don't use the term Asperger's anymore. Exactly. Right. So that yeah. now has just okay. been kind of assumed under the umbrella of autism yes. spectrum. Um, but uh, so that's and one. If you, I, I mean, I listen, listeners, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you listen to these episodes, but if you haven't listened to our episode about autism, we talk a little bit more about why uh, that term is no longer used. So definitely uh, check out that episode for more info about that or just like your research. <laughs> right. Um, and so, right. So the reader of this story could just substitute the term autism throughout yeah. whenever it says Asperger's. Um, and this was published by Free Spirit Press. Um, and so this this story has an interesting kind of origin because Nancy Carlson is a really prolific kind of um, has been writing for a long time, doing picture books for a long time. And if you see her illustrations, she has a recognizable style. Like she's been writing throughout the nineties and the aughts. And um, she is someone who has a, has done work for a play, or She is kind of one of the authors and educators at a place called um, the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm. And so um, what happened is that Nancy Carlson is an educator in that space. Um, and one of her students in that space who kind of came to enroll in some workshops was a seven-year-old named Armand Isaac. Mm. Um, and so they worked together for several years and then ultimately collaborated on the story together because Armand is someone who at the time was diagnosed with Asperger's. Um, and so he was 14 when they published this book together. Um, and so this was a, a lovely collaboration between kind of a, 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 someone who had been in the industry for a long time and um, then uh, an own voices child who wanted to really mm-hmm. be sure that um, the experience um, uh, that he had had um, kind of navigating the world was reflected in stories. And that's something that he stated um, that he really didn't connect with any of the books that he could find about autism and Asperger's at the time. Um, and his goal was to quote, help every young boy or girl with Asperger's realize they are not alone in the world where they often feel lonely and out of place. Mm. And so, um, this is the story 
of a child who has been invited to a birthday party. Uh, and it is told kind of the illustrations are kind of like a comic book style in some pages. Like I, I like the way that the spreads have some variations. So this first spread has like four quadrants and mm-hmm. mom is coming in and Armand is like buried deep into a book about dinosaurs. Um, and she's <laughs> called his name like on the very first page. Um, you see him reading and you see kind of her, uh, some voice bubbles going like, Armand, 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 <laughs> like kind of getting like the punctuations getting more dramatic because he's like so absorbed <laughs> in his book and he's not oh paying gosh, attention. So that just makes me laugh because there, there's this joke, and this is like so far out, of a, in a podcast I listen to where they're like, the funniest thing to me is when someone says sir with like increasing like, like sir, sir, sir. <laughs> like, you know, you know, shit's going down when someone's like, sir, sir, sir. Yeah, exactly. Just replace the name Armand here, and that is exactly what we have. And he is completely nonplussed, like he is just reading his book, which we've all we can all relate to. Trying to get Mm -hmm. someone's attention when they're in that zone. Um, And so she's saying, like, it's time for Felicia's party. Like, Armand, are you listening to me? It's time to go to the party. You ready to go? And he's like, I can't go to the party. I'm reading. Um, (laughs) Mood. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hard mood. Um, and then he does, he starts to kind of talk to her about like the things that make him nervous about a party. Like what, like, I don't like loud noises. Like what if there are popping balloons? Like think parties are super disorganized. Like I don't like it when things are disorganized and it's showing him kind of envisioning all of these, all of these instances. And um, I feel invisible at parties. Like what if something mm-hmm. stinks at the party? <laughs> like I have a sensitive nose, like, um, and so he has all of these excuses. And not, I don't mean to say excuses and like a, they're not valid. Like he has all of these rational reasons why he really yeah. doesn't think that it's a great idea for him to go to this party. Um, and she kind of talks, uh, she kind of talks through some of the stuff. Um, it's a little bit like, well, Felicia's going to feel sad if you don't celebrate her birthday. She's a good friend to you. Um, don't worry about the basketball schedule, like the parties before the game. And, um, and she kind of reminds him of things like, um, if you need a break at the party, you can ask Felicia's mom for help. Right. So she's kind of coaching him through like what he can do, um, if he's feeling uncomfortable and, uh, they get to the party and it kind of goes through, like, sure enough, right? Like, there's balloons everywhere. Like, there's a baby with a stinky diaper. And he's oh, like, no. this, is, this is no good. And it's funny, this baby, um, you see this baby throughout the book. You can kind of track this baby, and this baby's kind of delightful. <laughs> but um, so hopefully they change the diaper at some point. Yeah. And, they, you know, things are getting crowded and disorganized, and his face is getting, like, increasingly, like, <laughs> uncomfortable. Um. And uh, he starts to kind of talk about dinosaurs and no one's really kind of on board with chatting about dinosaurs at this party. Um, And so finally he's starting to feel nervous and cranky and invisible. And he then says like, I need a break. So he goes to Felicia's mom, you know, he tugs on her shirt and he's like, I need a break. Um, (laughs) And meanwhile, like, yeah, that's just a raucous, raucous party. Um, and so it says, uh, I like this a lot, since Felicia and her mom were Armand's good friends, they knew just what to do. They brought mm-hmm. him to a quiet room where he could read, play Legos, and think about dinosaurs. Can I just pause to say that, like, when we have parties at our house, we, so the the room that we Airbnb has a sign, it actually started because of the parties, because it's our spare room. We have a sign on it that says room of requirement. And during parties, we always tell people, like, if you need, like, to just go chill, go in there. Like, it's a quiet room, away from everybody. And, like, I really recommend that if, if people have parties, like, to have a room like that, just because, like, so many you know, like, I, I guess it, st- it really started because, right, like, my wife has anxiety and, like, that, you know, that definitely happens to her at parties where she just, like, dissociates and she's, like, I can't do this right now. Or even, like, right, you gotta go make a phone call or you just, like, whatever. It's just, like, a, a quiet room where you can go and, like, the lights, you know, and we put up, like, we put the lights low and we put, like, little, like, um, twinkly lights up, you know, like, uh, and, and it's just, like, I, I really recommend that, like, folks think about sensory needs because, like, everybody has them in different capacities. 
Um, but I love, I love that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Right. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about like at the end of a party, you know, sometimes people will say like, oh, can I help you clean up? Or and not that we throw a bunch of parties, but you know, like it kind of at the end of any <laughs> yeah, gathering, I know, same. Like, yeah. uh, like people will be like, oh, like, can I help you? And it's, I'm sort of like, like, I want everyone to leave. Like, thank yep. you. But like, I need everyone to go. I need to put on my podcast and like, <laughs> like do all this cleaning, like without any more like stimulation, you know? Yep. Yeah. So we all, we, yeah. So this is not a, this is not a, um, there, there's some universe universality, right? Um, yeah. I think that happens a lot with like, we were talking when we were talking in the, um, in the autism episode about just like, like there are so many, like I, uh, there are so many kids and people who could benefit from things like, like stims, like, right. Like a stress ball or like a fidget or, you know, as someone with ADHD, I know a lot of folks with ADHD use things like that. Uh, or like for me, like when I was in art class, I used to ask if I could listen to music because it would block out everything else. And for me, it would help me focus. Um, whereas like for other people, it might be a distraction, but like, I think that, there are so many things that we can like, like I say, like adopt from, you know, from these kinds of ideas. And like, I, I often think that, like, I say this a lot where like, if you're, especially in a classroom setting, like if you're making these kinds of like, as opposed to like, Oh, I have a student who, you know, has autism or I have a student who has ADHD and now I need to make accommodations. Just like have that already be there right. <laughs> and it like benefits everyone well, like a brain a brain break benefits everyone right or like exactly whatever right I mean it's like um that's like all of the people in this world who think that um like inclusivity and equity are somehow taking something away from them it's like actually these things make the world better for every person like thinking about these things makes the world better for you for your child, for your neighbor. Like I, it, it's baffling to me. Um, like these are just good practices, right? Are you there? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I was answering. Seth, I needed ah, some validation yes, for yes, my point. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll redo it. <laughs> you are so right. There we go. There we go. That's what I needed to hear. Oh, I'm supposed to, uh, um, you know, behind the scenes, I'm supposed to meet with my friends at 1.30 and I'm just like, I'm going to be late, y'all. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Rebecca and I definitely talked for like 30 minutes. Dude, it's just to play video games. It's fine. <laughs> Keep all of this in. This is all rich content. Um, okay. Yes. And so he had, so he, t- and then it says when Armand was ready to rejoin the party, it was just in time to give Felicia her present, saying happy birthday and eat a cupcake. Right. So he took the break that he needed. He, he communicated his needs. They met his needs. And um, when the party, and then when the party was over, Armand helped Felicia organize her new toys. Um, so that was his fun, right? That like, sounds like me. Yeah, right. That's the, that's the part I'm here for. And then, um, you know, he gets picked up and, and he says, you know, she, his mom asks, like, how was the party? And he says, the party was hard, Armand admitted. I'm glad you were here, though, Felicia said. Um, and then he's kind of proud of himself that he was able to, to do something that was hard for him, but that, that really brought joy to his, his good friend. Um, yeah, and then at the end, there's a note for grownups, um, and then uh, so there's a little bit of um, kind of Q and A and information uh, this about Asperger's syndrome and friendship. And again, like, but it does say it, it, and these notes are inclusive of autism spectrum disorder and Asperger's syndrome. But of course, now we kind of don't talk about Asperger's syndrome as a separate thing. Um, and yeah, there's notes, just a little bit of notes and a little bit about the authors. And that is the end. And so what I, what I really like about this book, um, I like the, pers- I like the, the narrative again, kind of like the slime story, right? Like the too sticky, like it's about, um, it's about kind of one particular challenge, but it incorporates a lot of different components of what it's like to be autistic 
um, in today's world and kind of yeah, navigating, no, yeah, navigating a situation that um, like seemingly should be easy, right? But like pointing out those moments of complication for someone with sensory. Um, and again, I love that it's like like the adults are helping make the accommodations. Like, oh, since they were friends, like they knew just what to do. Yes, you know, yeah, exactly. That. And no, no child in this book. I mean, every child is just like in complete party zone. Like they're not even paying attention. <laughs> Um, but of course that, uh, you know, uh, does end up making Armand feel a little bit invisible at one point, because what he wants to do is talk about dinosaurs and no one's kind of like game to do that. I um, feel that. Right. But he finds his, he finds his way. So yeah, I, 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 I really, I, I, I think this is a great book to have on the bookshelf. Um, like, for, um, not just as, a, not as an issue book, but just as a story. Yeah. Um, it's very relevant to many people. And so the second book that I want to talk about, and I promise to zip through this one, <laughs> um, is called How to Build a Hug. I, you know, I didn't look at this one, but I heard after I had already picked my books, then like I was on one of the the book groups and I heard people talking about it in a thread. So I'm excited. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's How to Build a Hug, um, Temple Grandin and her amazing squeeze machine. Right. And so Temple Grandin is kind of one of the um, uh, like a famous um, like autistic woman um, who is known for kind of her work in animal husbandry and her work as a scientist. Um, but one another thing that she oh, developed. Wasn't there another book about her? I think there are many. Like well, she, there was she, another book that I, I was like the girl who thought in pictures. Maybe? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that was a book that I almost I almost uh, featured. Um, definitely one worth checking out. Yeah, and um, yes, definitely, and I, I can I can picture that the cover of that one in my mm-hmm. in my mind. And what drew me to this book um, was the was the narrative, um, and the art. I'm a huge fan of Giselle Potter, who is the who is the the um, illustrator of this book, um, and the authors are um, two women, Amy Guglielmo and Jacqueline Torville. And oh, yeah, the, the uh, illustrations are really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big, um, Giselle Potter has done some of my, some of my favorite work, uh, some of my favorite stories. Um, she's illustrated some Candace Fleming books that I love, mm-hmm. one that's called, um, oh gosh, the one about the being an ornithologist, it's the uh, tip of my tongue, but so Giselle Potter, so I'm a big fan of, of um, her art. Let me get to the right tab. Um, and so... Um, the co-authors, um, Amy and Jacqueline, grew up together. Actually, they they're long time. They've known each other since childhood. And um, Amy is an is an art educator and illustrator herself. Um, and she co-founded. You know, as I was kind of diving into my research about the authors, which is something we do for Shift, um, she co-founded this um, project called Outside Art, the Plattsburgh Public Art Project, which is a nonprofit organization that supports like place-based diverse murals in Plattsburgh, New York. Um, so I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was looking at the different projects and it just seems like, she seems like a cool, a cool chick. Um, and then uh, Jacqueline Torville lives in Maine and also writes about child development and family life. So she's someone who's like interested in kind of this child development work. And she has, um, as a public school teacher, has has had a number of autistic students kind of throughout her career, yeah. which she said opened her eyes to the importance of inclusive stories for kids. Um, and then Giselle Potter is an award-winning artist who's illustrated more than 30 picture books. Um, and as also lives in the Hudson Valley area of New York. And um, this book was published by, let me get back to my correct tab here. Um, how, to build, how to Build a Hug was published, scroll, 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 by <laughs> Athenaeum Books for Young Readers in okay. August um, of 2018. Um, yeah, and so it is the story of um, Temple Grandin, and it begins in Temple's childhood. And it's kind of um, the themes, which will not be surprising, kind of the, the rhythms of the story are about hugs and about like sensory experiences and how um, how being hugged is how Temple can observe um, the way that other people experience hugs and kind of what it does for them 
but for she herself, it's a very uncomfortable experience to be hugged and feels like being mm-hmm. in kind of this itchy, horrible sock, right? Like, it's, <laughs> so there's a lot of, um, and like things like uh, talking about the noises, right? Like what it's like to be in a classroom um, for Temple versus what she sees the other, how she sees other people around her kind of experiencing the world. Um, and I like because Temple Grandin is a scientist. I like the way that the authors really captured um, her like scientific mind through the narrative. They talk about what she's observing and kind of what she, how she's processing and understanding what she's seeing. And also um, kind of this rhythm around like, is this what a hug feels like to other people? Like, am I ever gonna, is this something that I can capture in, in a, in a way that works for me? Um, so it goes through essentially her, it's a, biography with those kind of themes throughout and speaks about um she goes to college um and she oh well one one thing that I love that's kind of a foreshadowing is that when she feels when she feels anxious right like she's seeing all these people hug around her and seeing that it brings them joy and calms them down it does not do that for her but what she does like is to go under the sofa cushions and have her sister stand on her. Yes. So yeah. So like the heavy weight, right? Like that deep pressure Mm -hmm. um, is something that she like as a child recognizes that she really loves. And this is another thing like Kat uses a weighted blanket. I have other friends who use weighted blankets, like folks with anxiety, like weighted blankets are great for so many different things. Um, And I think they're starting to get some sort of, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like people are starting to sort of like know what they are. Like I saw one at Walmart the other day. I was like, okay, this is mainstream now. Oh, totally. Um, Totally. But but yeah, they're like that idea of like, and again, that was something that I feel like when I was in school, I learned it as like, oh, that's like an autism thing to like want to be wrapped up or want to have weight on you but like that's really helpful for like cat and i joke when she when she's having anxiety i just go no and i just lay on top of her um <laughs> but, like the like, weight like really helps it like helps her but i'm just like no <laughs> but she's like why does this feel good this is weird <laughs> no it's totally i mean that's all the yeah. um what is that? I, you know, it's so funny. I've been trying to think about the name of that neurotransmitter that's released when you like pet an animal. Oh. Because uh, it's the same. I think it's the same neurotransmitter that's released when you get like deep pressure. And I can't for the life of me remember it. it. Let's see. Uh, dopamine. It says petting animal releases serotonin and dopamine. Well, I thought there was a third one. Third one? That's like the, um, it has to do with feeling like love for someone mm. i think it's uh someone will someone shouting it someone yeah, who's someone... listening if this is still in the episode someone's screaming well now i'm it. doing research on this very specific thing <laughs> well and while you research that i'll continue with the story Wait. so um is it, in, is it oxytocin oxytocin yes <laughs> thank I you business insider.com <laughs> Yeah, so oh. oxytocin, I believe, is also um, something that's re- that's released with, with that kind of deep pressure, and that's why hugs, yeah. why when why when you can get why I hugs feel, feel good when people, people don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the type of hug that feels good feels good. Hmm. Um, and so Temple, it's you know she it's her childhood, um, and how she enjoys like spinning around on a swing, um, but she does not really want to be touched. Um, she does love that deep pressure. Um, she, but again, is still seeing kind of these, these um, intimate hug based moments around her and kind of wondering how she can tap into those experiences and those, those feelings and that good old oxytocin, which is not mentioned in the book, but maybe should be. Um, and so then she uh, goes to college and is doing lots of like building and creating and inventing, um, you know, as a scientist, kind of a scientist um, and seeing other people around her kind of at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, having these, again, these like moments of, of hugging and embracing and just kind of feeling like an outsider from that. And then she goes to work on her aunt's ranch and she sees um, like this contraption. Um, well, she kind of helps develop. So she, um, that a ranch hand is like working with a really skittish cow who is like not interested in, um, in, 
being handled. And so um, she kind of helps ultimately to develop this, this contraption that will keep like deep pressure on cows and kind of then adapts that idea for herself and develops a hug machine, like a machine that she can get into that will provide that deep pressure of having like her sister standing on her um, and develops that, um, that scientific contraption, that machine for herself um, and ultimately is able to um, experience that. And so the people around her are like, it's a snuggle apparatus. It's a squeeze, a thingamajiggy. And she's like, it's a hug machine. And like, is finally feeling that experience. Um, And so she takes it home with her, like from the ranch, (laughs) it becomes part of something that she, um, that she uh, incorporates into her life, like this new apparatus that's going to help her feel that, that deep pressure, that oxytocin. Um, and, um, ultimately like becomes a a scientist and, and, and ultimately enters some relationships and it ends with the fact that she, uh, eventually found a way to feel comfortable physically being hugged. And then the last page is her and her, um, I believe partner, um, embracing. Oh, yeah. So it's the story of, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a neat biography because it, I love the way that it incorporates um, her work as a scientist, um, her, like, again, like just talking about her, her observations as a child and like the rhythm of, um, of her work as a scientist, her work as an engineer, kind of developing these different contraptions, um, but all also this kind of trajectory of wanting that experience of being hugged and, and figuring it out for herself, what works for her, and then being able to um, kind of promote that scientific breakthrough um, for the world. I love that. Yeah. And the art in this book is is just lovely. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And so this was one of the, I think, really well done. It's not an own voices book, but I do think that it really... um, seems to be very well researched and has a really nice narrative arc that again helps it to be a story that can just be an everyday read aloud and not an issues book which is yeah I I think that's really important and I I also like the idea of of it being a book where a kid solves their own problem but like it's not like where someone solves their own problem but it's not like put on them to solve the problem does that make sense Right. It's like this person is an inventor and has yeah. a scientific mind. And that is, I mean, I think that one of the messages um, that Temple Grandin in her, in her own writings, which are primarily for adults has really said is like the, the um, like the incredible positives of having a like an autistic mind. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what the, the value in that and the benefit of that and what that has brought to her as a scientist, how that has formed her as a scientist. And as you a know, I, I think about that a lot because Kat and I, you know, talk about, I think that like with every, everything like that, like comes benefits, certain benefits, right? Like I, you know, Kat and I were talking about that in terms of like, we've talked about spoon theory before on the show, this idea, it's like a disability theory and the idea that like, right, everyone you know, starts with a certain number of spoons every day and that might be different. And right, like for cat, like it might take a whole spoon to get out of bed. Whereas for me, that doesn't take a spoon, right? Or like it might take her a whole spoon to take a shower or get out of the house, right? And like once those spoons are gone, like that's it, she can't do anything else. Um, And for me, like as someone with ADHD, I actually think that my ADHD gives me more spoons to begin with because I'm just like, ah, like I have so much energy and like so much ability. And I don't know that that's universal for everyone with ADHD, but like uh, we've actually talked about how it feels like you know my disability actually gives me extra spoons you know sometimes um so it's it's definitely uh interesting and I think I think it also like for me like I feel like my ADHD is part of like why I'm such a creative person um because I'm always thinking like out of the box and thinking of like wacky weird things like you know the the, like (laughs) the the one that I always think of is one time I there was like a really nice car like this beautiful black BMW looked like you know I like a like a car a business person like I imagined a business person would be in that car and right outside of the door of the car was a perfectly in a perfect condition just a banana 
right at the right, right outside. And I just imagined a business chimp, a chimp in a little business <laughs> suit with his briefcase full of bananas, and he like lost one on the way out. And like that was the story that my brain made when I saw that immediately. It was like, well, obviously there was a business chip. Um, and so like that's how I try to describe like the way my brain works is like and I feel like, you know, I feel like there are it's just so lovely to have a book that's like, you know, a celebrating um, those kinds of and I love books that kind of celebrate our differences and aren't like, you know, like we call kind of like problem stories. Um it's just like, yeah, like, it's great that my brain works differently than other brains, because like, why would we want all brains to work the same way? Right. And that's why I like the term uh, neurodiversity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like that, because I think that it really, it opens up, um, it reframes, it reframes yeah. the autistic brain, it reframes even, um, I would argue like the, de- in some, I, I know this is maybe a little bit more controversial, but like the depressed brain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are there's some richness that can come from that and like some um like create like you said creativity wrote an entire book during her last depression like right right (laughs) and then she's like i don't do anything (laughs) like get out of here cat you can't cut this out (laughs) (laughs) and of course that's not of course to diminish the the uh, the layers of challenge and like the intersection of as particularly in a world that is not very accommodating to neurodiversity and all of these different ways of being. Um, Yeah. So I, I think that I, I really like how to build a hug. I think that some of the, um, I, I, I think that uh, one of kind of the notes that I would have a a room to grow um, is that it does end with her being comfortable with hugs, which is like maybe a little bit of a bow. And I think that's probably Mm. true, right? It's probably, this is a very, it's a biography, Biography, Um, but I would have liked to see something like, like that she can continue to like get comfort. Um, right. Like, like that it's, it's okay that she didn't like hugs and that wasn't necessarily a problem to be solved. Right. Like, I mean, inventing the hug machine was a way to get that deep pressure and that comfort, but it, you know, it is okay that she didn't want hugs specifically. Um, so that it kind of ties that up with a bow I would have loved to have a little bit of room there or a little bit of nod to like, and it would, and it's okay that if she never wanted to be hugged and instead used her words to communicate and Mm -hmm. like, you know, get, get comfort and process grief or, you know. Well, I also just feel like even, you know, for anyone in general, there's a, there's a lot of conversations like going on around about hugs and consent and like, when I was a kid, I just didn't like being touched. I used to say that it hurt when people touched me. Like, I, that, and that wasn't like accurate. Like, it didn't physically hurt, but I didn't like it. Like, okay. it did not feel good to me. And like, and and you know, and there was always that, oh, you have to hug and kiss your grandparents, or you have to hug it, right? And like now, I think there's a lot more conversation going on around about like you don't like. There are so many other options. Like, and I try to model that because I think parents sometimes get offended, like, <laughs> like with the, the people that I nanny for. Sometimes they'll be like, okay, like give me a kiss. And the kids don't want to kiss them. And they're like, you don't want to kiss me? And I'm like, it's a two-year-old. Don't take it personally, first of all. Um, second of all, like, give them options. I'm like, so I'll be like, okay, like, maybe give Papa a friendly wave instead. Or, like, blow him a kiss. Or give him a high five. Like, there, shake his hand. There are so many other things you can do. Fist bump. Like, that, you know, can accommodate, like, whether or not you want to be touched. Whether or not you want what level you want to be touched. If you don't want to be touched at all, you can give a wave. You can blow a kiss. You can, you know do whatever like but I think that now there's more conversations opening up about that and so I like that like just narrative of like not everyone wants to be hugged right right (laughs) not something that feels good to everybody and having that narrative out there like we're saying it makes the world a better place for Mm -hmm. everybody having those options out there you know it does not take anything away you don't have to be the weird one who's like oh but I don't like hugs but oh but everybody likes you know what I mean like oh yeah not everybody likes hugs that makes sense like if we have that narrative of not everyone likes hugs or not you know everyone has different ways of you know greeting each other expressing love or whatever um I think that again like you were saying it's it's not going to other that you know the many people it's not like it's one person like the many people who don't want to do that thing it's just gonna make it you know better for everybody to be like hey there are options right. <laughs> and that i think is one other um little quibble i have about the book one of the lines says temple wasn't like the other kids which mm-hmm. does kind of 
Um, oh, you know, no. like it's meant yeah. to say like the other students in the class are neurotypical, um, but it is a little bit othering. Othering. <laughs> Yeah. literally literally uses the literally. word other in the sentence oh my gosh but, you know that so this is a side note but um we were t- when we were talking about like uh friends and i were talking about like trans friends and i were talking about like um forms and when it'll and i had a friend basically who was making um a form and came to me like works in the tech industry and came to me and was like okay so like i want to include be inclusive of trans folks but like obviously there are a million identities and like I, so like what's kind of the balance right um of like what identities should i list and and one of the things that we were talking about was like don't put an other on a form it's literally othering you're just right. like we don't know what you are i'm like if worst case scenario uh, like if you don't want to list every single identity that exists because you it's not impossible it's not possible put in a fill in your own like mm-hmm. that's great that's fine because then it's like oh we've thought of a lot but like maybe you identify as something that we didn't put on this list you can fill you don't have to put other <laughs> it's literally other <laughs> <laughs> it's the definition of othering yes oh my gosh um but anyway uh thank you for sharing those i'm i'm glad that you did that that uh that last one because like i said i kept after i picked my books i kept hearing about it i was like oh maybe i should have looked at this one (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean i think that both like like we said like both i mean that book in particular is very white um like all the creators are white and a a lot of the people featured i think maybe all of the people featured are white so that's definitely a room to grow um armand has more um diversity in the folks like the children attending the party um but both of those those are rooms to grow kind of i think across the board for the books that we that we selected people who are making books about this take note (laughs) all our millions of listeners (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but anyway thank you so much for sharing those i'm uh i'm excited uh to uh talk a little bit about our next topic next time yeah thank you for sharing those i'm I'm, i really want to check out too sticky i think that is one that it's, it's so good yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I really love it and I think also like we could it's another one that I feel like you could just pull off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Which I love about it. Yeah. Um just like well like I was talking about with Can I Play Too where I'll just pull that out like whatever if we're talking about science I can pull out that book. Well exactly like the stem. I'm like, "Oh, how about yeah. a hug? This is a stem book, right? Yep. Like too sticky. Yes. This is a stem book. Like that's love great. It. Yes. Interdisciplinary books." Exactly. <laughs> It's my, that's my song. I hope you like it. Um, I really, really do. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. I'll see you next time. Good to see you, Seth. Good to, good to hear your voice. <laughs> Always. I know. It's good to hear anybody's voice these days. Right. Unless I only want to listen to my podcast voices. Talking. Oh, yes. My bunnies have started talking to me like it's not. We actually <laughs> speak for the bunnies. Um yeah, we, we speak for them. And when our when my room uh, my friend Damien was staying with us for a while, um, he started doing it, and we were like, "Oh, we know that you're like one of us, and you can live with us now." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, and on that note, uh, now you know a fun fact about me and uh, what's happened to me in quarantine. Um, yeah. All right. And remember, stay rad. <laughs>